<laughs> Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio Show 130, Kratom on Trial, with special guest Michael Tierra. Today's show is brought to you by Candace Hunter Creations. Candace Hunter Creations, family-centered herbal practitioner and health coach, connecting people with plants to create wellness. Learn more at CandaceHunter.com. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach integrated health clinic centered in Eugene, Oregon. We are a 501c3. You can send your donations to occupy-medical.org. Hunter Creation, graphic designers and website designers making your marketing ideas into reality. Visit them at huntercreation.com. Also Ace High Heat Graphics, uh, custom imprinted t-shirts, jerseys, need uh, something for a fundraiser, they're a great resource. You can find them at acehighheatgraphics.com and the Herbal Nerd Society. For just $4.99 a month or $49 a year, you can get access to 100 articles soon now? 100, yep. And that doesn't even include the That's awesome- three digits. Right. It doesn't even include the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the podcast on top of that, 200 articles that you have access to as special resources if yep. you are an Herbal Nerd Society member. And- People have said many times they see the link and they're like, oh, I can't read the article. Well, you have to be a member. You have there, to be a member. There is, exclusive, is exclusive article uh, and podcast availability, but it's only four ninety nine a month. And, you know, if you, you just can't deal with that, there's there's plenty, there's hundreds, over 500 other articles on our podcast or on our uh, website to check out. So uh, the, the, the swanky stuff is our Herbal Nerd Society. Yes, the swanky stuff. Mm-hmm. And we also have our special sponsor, right? Yeah. What is it, Candace? The Journal of Foundational Herbalism, published through the School of Eclectic Herbal Medicine. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a Thomas Ely joint, isn't it? <clears throat> that is. Thomas Ely, yep. Yeah, so we want to send a hearty thanks out to them because they have sent us, put out ads for Real Herbalism Radio in the past. And yep. Thomas has been an awesome guest. Yeah, yeah, wonderful herbalist there. Do they have a website no for that kidding. or a place where, or did you already say that? Sure I just think they, you said the name, yes, but you didn't do. say the website. You'll see that on our show notes. So go ahead and click on the show notes and you'll see a, a connection there. Thank you for sponsoring us. So how about this? Thomas, if you're listening, we need those ads. We really need those ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's some uh, springtime or becoming springtime. Well, at least here, not on the East Coast. But mm-hmm. uh, we have some events coming up. And Sue, I think you're going to be at a couple. Yes, yeah. I will be. There are two events. There's the Mount Pisgah Wildflower Festival, which is a really inexpensive annual event. And it's here in Eugene, Oregon at the Mount Pisgah Arboretum. And then we also had... What's like, the date on that? There's a date on that. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you definitely know 2018. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so that's how far we know? Oh, you'll, yeah, so definitely. You'll be there, but you don't know exactly when the I know is. that 11 o'clock is when I'm leading this. Okay. Is it typically in April or May? It's, um, yep. Oh God, Jesus! Yes, yeah, okay. and it's a Sunday. Can, can and- we can we stall long enough for Candace to find it? <laughs> I'm looking and it I, up. I'm and looking I think it up. Based on it's other so uh, events, it must be from ten to five. Yeah, yeah, yeah ten right? to five. Yeah, sure, yeah. I I go. I, I lead an early walk, and then I go over to clinic and finish off the day there. I see. Oh, Candace has Sunday, it. May twentieth. May twentieth. Wow, that's yes. really late this year. It seems yeah, like it's late. It, it does seems seem late. late but it's a know, good thing that it's, it's late thing. because the weekend before that is when I'm at the traditional Ritz Institute. Ah, nice segue yes. to yes. Yeah. Okay, so talk to us about that one. Yeah, that's a that's another one of those yearly things and it's up in Portland and it's at the 
Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. It used to be called. <laughs> You'll see the, in the show notes. Yeah, the it used to be called NCNM, and it's not called NCNM anymore. But it's in downtown Portland. It's not at the Rose Center or whatever they call that, the the convention center there. No, mm-hmm. I think it's at the. I, I, I one of my sons lives in downtown Portland, just a block away from that school. So oh, how perfect! Oh, okay. I know. You know crash very, his pad that exactly. Night. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we had a great interview with Michael, and one of the things that um, I forgot to tell him was that uh, any sound that uh, comes through his computer, we'll hear too. Mm-hmm. So occasionally, you will hear that he has received mail. Yep. And yeah. for some other reason, there's a frog song. So other than that, it's a really great show, and I just can't edit those parts out. So those, those things will, will, will be coming in. Plants may be the medicine of the people, but not all plants are equal in the eyes of the law. Over the past few months, Kratom has been targeted by the United States DEA and FDA as a potentially dangerous plant, and it's not the first. Today we're talking with Michael Tierra, Doctor of Oriental Medicine, California State Licensed Acupuncturist, founder of the American Herbalist Guild, and owner and founder of the East-West School of Planetary Herbology, about how plants have fared in the American legal system over the past 50 years. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Michael. It's an honor to have you on our show. So you're, you've, you've got quite a bit of experience working with herbs and particularly Kratom. Can you start by telling us about that? I had heard about Kratom for a while because it was widely used in the recreational uh, uh, for recreational use for at least 20 years before actually in, in the United States before I actually got to recognizing that, that it has some very important value as a medicinal herb. And uh, so in that respect, I think I was one of the first herbalists uh, uh, to, to re- recognize and speak a lot about its uh, therapeutic benefits. And uh, there are two or three others that I, that I know of. But uh, at the time we started talking about it, uh, we, were, we were viewed askance as, being, uh, as uh, being some sort of dope heads or something. <laughs> <laughs> But, you've, uh, you've actually found that it has quite a few good uses, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it, arguably probably the most important uh, medicine in any doctor's uh, in medica is uh, for pain relief. And uh, herbal, herbalists always had certain herbs that, that are now illegal, like, like uh, cocoa leaf and and, uh, and poppy and things like that that were that were uh, considered to be illegal, so we can't use them. And the other the other herbs that we use for pain relief are are, are much milder, but uh, don't produce the immediate or relief that people oftentimes need who are suffering from intractable and severe pain. Right. Yeah. Meadow sweet is great if you have a mild headache, but not if you're suffering from like lupus or something like that. And, and there's Jamaican dogwood and and uh, uh, and, and uh, the Chinese herb. Uh, 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 it escapes me at the moment, but any, anyway, it's it's also in the pop, poppy family. And uh, but 
as a, for pain relief, these are these are really quite mild compared to what kratom can do. Kratom acts like an opioid, even though it is not an opioid, uh, and uh, and it can pr- produce uh, relief from pain within uh, half hour to forty five minutes. And uh, now, it's not as strong as an opioid, but it's but it's strong enough to to manage most most conditions that we might encounter. For instance. Uh, I've used I've used it for people with uh, who who had kidney stones and uh, they were able to to function normally after they take, took a, a dose of kratom. They were able to function normally for the whole day because of that, and it doesn't impair consciousness at all, and it doesn't have any of the side effects of opioids. So, one of the side effects of opioids is that it, it causes you to have a, a compromised respiration and, and gradually your oxygen and your whole your energy is basically being cut off so when people are being put on opioids it's oftentimes somewhat of a death sentence i think mm. and and uh so kratom doesn't have that effect and, and, it, and it actually uh, uh doesn't affect your consciousness whatsoever you just take it and and, and then you find that the pain is just gradually kind of builds away and or 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 reduces to a very tolerable level where, where it's easy to, to to operate with. So that, that's that's one great use of it, and I've I've used it for people with who come to me with uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis and with uh, uh, severe back disorders with with. Uh, that are, have deteriorated, and you know, basically things that herbs can't treat very effectively, nor can Western medicine. Right. And the only thing they give you is opioids, and opioids are severely addicting, and kratom is not. And uh, so it's a it's it's an it's an incredible herb. I think it's one of the greatest herbs in the on the planet, personally, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it, and, it, and it's really worth our our fighting to protect and keep it keep it available, keep it legal. Now, the, one of the other great uses of it is that it's, it's very popular in this respect. Is that it's used to uh, for people who are uh, getting off of opioid addictions of all kinds, and uh, and also people who are on antidepressants, and and people who are uh, getting off uh, alcohol, preventing uh, withdrawal symptoms from all of these conditions, and uh, so. Uh, there's literally thousands of people in the United States who have used who use kratom for that purpose. So, right, and there's uh, no actual like real deaths clearly linked just to kratom, right? I mean, I, it seems like all the deaths that are supposedly linked to it are also, you know, kratom was one of a, a cacophony of other substances yeah, the, that f- were found, including fentanyl. The FDA keeps keeps throwing up a number of thirty six deaths, but the but the word that's uh, that should be listened to there is associated with kratom. That's a, that's a big word. Associated means uh, that they were taking other kinds of drugs, that any of which could have caused the death itself. Uh, uh, and and so uh, nobody has actually died from kratom by itself. And uh, so. Now, there there is there is a because it is it is being used recreationally. There's there's also the tendency for people to try to use it to get stoned, 
Yeah. And, 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 and to that respect, people will take very large doses. How big is large? Well, you know, uh, anywhere from 20, 20 grams, 20 to 30 grams at a time, which mm. is, uh, it's hard to imagine how they, how they can stomach it because freedom at a high dose like that usually causes you to vomit. So, right. Yeah, uh, five but, grams is, for comparison, uh, considered a medicinal dose from, from what I've noticed standardly. The way to get around that is to, to make a, an extract. and uh, So making an extract or putting it in capsules, you can, you can easily drop a lot of it that way. And... Uh, and, and perhaps uh, that's one way that people use it. But as as a as an herb to get stoned on, it's it's really uh, very very. Uh, it's not very satisfactory. It's not it's not it's not fun. It's, it's not bad. No, it, it I can think of a selection of others that work much better at lower concentrations and cheaper and cheaper. <laughs> yeah. is not inexpensive. But, but you know, there are there are people who have addictive personalities, and and they get onto something, and they'll they'll uh, they'll just take it and take it and take it, and then they and then then they 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 claim that they're addicted, and uh, the addiction is 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 not something that I've actually run into personally i've read about it but it, there are people who take large doses o- over the course of, of weeks and months on a daily basis and of course your body gets gets used to something like that as it would uh with any any substance actually and so uh getting off of it sometimes it can be a challenge for some people sure but getting off of coffee is also a challenge for some people so, I mean, for perspective, I mean, people with addictive personalities can have find themselves addicted to things like Coca-Cola or coffee or sugar. Right. For and they struggle. People that are coming uh, off of yes. Kratom, the, right. the withdrawal seem to be um, <clears throat> just over a couple of days and, and nothing compared to what the um, opioids that they would be taking instead look like. It's, you know, you can have some shakes, um, nervousness, sleeplessness, or some people have uh, itchy skin for a couple of days, but that is zero compared to what yeah. it's like to help somebody coming off of an opioid or heroin or something like that. And we should clarify for those listeners that uh, may have gotten some misinformation, um, no matter what you hear, uh, chemically, Kratom is not an opioid. It does bind to or attach to the opioid receptors, much like cheese and beef and spinach does. So that's that's a that doesn't make it an opioid. That just means it attaches to the brain's opioid receptors. Right. That's absolutely correct. So this so, isn't the first herb, though, that you've seen end up on the the FDA and DAA's you know hit list, is it? No, and that's a that's an unfortunate thing because uh, you know herbalism is not is is like it's like a musical instrument. You know, it's like I play the piano and there's 88 keys on the piano. Well, in herbal medicine, you have a materia medica sometimes of hundreds of herbs that you need in order to be able to practice and, and treat most conditions that come to you. Right. And if you and and so it's it's like if you're if you're trying to, to create an herbal formula and you can't use ma huang, for instance, 
because it's so effective for the for the respiratory system and for the for the lungs and, and for allergies and for uh, asthma and things like that. It's like a you know specific for those things. Uh, it's, it's like trying to play an incredibly complex piano concerto missing uh, middle C on the on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's it's kind of ridiculous. You know, and people try to substitute different things, and and uh, it's not very satisfactory. Now, herbal, herbal, when I first started uh, herbalism, I studied with Doctor uh, Raymond Christopher. He was he was like uh, uh, one of the one of the lone voices in the wilderness when herbalism had practically completely mm-hmm. died out in the United States of America. And uh, the only regulation that there was is that you could not is practicing medicine without a license, which is which is a standing uh, issue today as well. Yeah. And uh, so I I was I was with him when, uh, an apprentice with him, and I was with him when when I saw him get, getting busted in San Francisco and be marched off in hand, handcuffs. And sent to jail with a fifty thousand uh, dollar uh, bail on 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 his back, which is more than you have for rapes. Wow! Series. So, uh, and what was he arrested for? He was arrested for practicing medicine without a license. He, oh. he was working in in basically uh, a, a space that that we had provided for him, uh, doing iris diagnosis and recommending. Um, his, his herbal potions for, for each person based on, on reading the iris of the eye. Okay. And, and uh, I don't know that he was specifically saying, I'm giving you this herb to treat, you know, uh, cystitis or this herb to treat cystitis or, or, but he would say, he would, he would describe the conditions of the eye, uh, that, that the a particular organ had, had was, was not, uh, functioning up to par and he would and he, he would prescribe specific uh, herbs for each, each of the organs that might be involved in, in uh, compromising somebody's health so some, people would sometimes be taking five and six different products at the same time so uh, it may seem startling to some people but really that's how herbalism is practiced mm-hmm. uh, you, have, you have to have to treat, treat organs and, and sometimes you can put it all into one formula, and sometimes you have to use sub formulas together. So uh, that was at, at that time there was there, there, there was uh, the last herbal pharmacy in the United States was on uh, Ellis Street in San Francisco, and uh, and they they were selling herbal herbal products and herbal, herbal potions to people all over the United States. And there was such a thing as an herbal pharmacist, and they were the last, the last ones when they closed their door. No, there's no more herbal pharmacies in the United States of America at the present time, at least in that of that type. Uh, so, uh, when we practiced, we were we were working in the counterculture setting, so that uh, we were really not necessarily. Uh, infringing upon mainstream and, and we had no idea that herbalism was ever and I'm, but by by we i'm saying a handful of people <laughs> that, that i happened to, to to uh run into uh mainly through the ages of rosemary gladstar who brought a, a number of us together in, in northern california 
so I, you know, I, I think of people like David Weston and Christopher Hobbs and William Lassassier and uh, a few others who were who were part of that generation, who, who really uh, uh, ushered in what I call the the mid twentieth century herbal renaissance. But we we did, we had no idea that that ever go mainstream. products were being sold at Walmart. Just kept going. So it's a multi-billion-dollar industry today, right? And and so uh, one of the great boons in, in, in terms of herbal regulations was the passing of the Deshay, uh, uh food supplement regulation. This was in 1994 dietary supplement that uh, allowed people to use herbs. Uh, on on the function and not 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 for treating disease, but for instance, valerian was good to help promote restful sleep. But you can could say that it was good for insomnia. And right. that, that is that's pretty much the the kind of uh, legal ways that are regulated uh, today. Now, of course, as a Chinese herbal practitioner, I, I can I can uh, treat diseases. And name diseases and so forth, and uh, I think we all tend tend to push the envelope as in our own personal practice. But I do teach how to how to do it legally. Yeah. Many states have health freedom bill that, uh, like California does, where uh, when you uh, provide an informed uh, disclosure statement, uh, you can uh, actually. Uh, recommend herbs and, and diet to people to, to promote health. And uh, so that uh, many many of my herbalist students around the country have a very thriving practice because they're able to practice uh, in the states that have a health bill or in the states. So have you been using Kratom under the shelter of the TCM practitioner experience that you have? Is that because it is uh, an herb from the Asian continent, Malaysia and Thailand border? Is that how you started using it? Using Kratom? Yeah. Well, you know, like anybody else, I, I, I had, I had, uh, I had Kratom that I boil that I, that I purchased online. And it's very important that you, that you get it from a, a reputable source. Um, and I had it sitting in, sitting in my, my house for two months before I got up the nerve to actually take it. <laughs> Why? So I, Why? I because I was, I was afraid it was going to somehow or another rattle my brains. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford to do that at this point in my life. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't even like smoking, smoking marijuana to any, to any, for the same reasons. And, uh, and uh, so finally, one day, I think I had I had some sort of a, a hip pain or something like that, and I decided to screw up my courage, and I took a teaspoon of it. And uh, I just basically I, I I promote and believe that you should take plain leaf powdered kratom, which which is not real pleasant hmm. if you're not used to it. But basically, just take this powder straight. I put it in my mouth and swallow water. I start with a teaspoon. You can increase up to two teaspoons if, if needed for to get a sufficient level of relief. But 
a teaspoon is usually enough for most people to, to get relief um, from for most pain. Hmm. So I, I, I did that, and uh, and I was just amazed within a half hour that the, the pain was gone. I felt clear-headed, and uh, and and actually I, I, I could function much more uh, 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 intellectually a lot clearer than I could before I took it. So uh, Kratom, has, Kratom has, is remarkable. It has 40 different alkaloids, and some of them are stimulants. And some of them are, are, are sedatives. And uh, so when you take it in a small dose, the stimulants will seem to, seem to, to hold, hold, be, the, be the, um, the, uh, the, the, the most notable effect. In larger doses, the sedative effect occurs. But um, in all cases, pain is relieved. And uh, one person I know has ADHD, and he takes white vein kratom which is the stimulating stimulating kratom he takes like a half a teaspoon in the morning which uh instead of taking ritalin uh that 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 is uh totally enough to to uh to uh, uh control his his uh um attention deficit disorder problems throughout the day so nice uh so anyway, that, that's when I started to use it. Then I, then I had I started coaxing other people to to use it, and then I I, I sell it to my patients usually at a very cheap price because uh, uh, kratom when you buy it wholesale and, and anybody can buy it wholesale when you buy it from reputable dealers dealers, it's actually a really cheap herb. I mean, you know, you talk about the leaves, of the tree, right. And it's, usually it's the species Osa, the red vein that I think people have familiarity with and that I've seen some st- the studies on it. Uh, what would you define as being a reputable source for these? Reputable sources? Mm-hmm. Like what would be some of the characteristics? Obviously don't go to a, a website that has everything in caps and exclamation points. and. <laughs> yeah. You have to just buy it from from uh, from companies who who have that reputation. Uh, Kratom Spot is one. Kratoma is another one. Uh, Phyto uh, Eclectica is another one. And uh, so the, so there there are there are a few online sources, and I, I recommend buying buying it from uh, from online sources like that, not in head shops. Mm, yeah. The Practical Herbalist Press, that's in addition to our website and our podcast. That is right. Practical Herbalist Press is all about providing really good books and information by written by experienced herbalists. Us. Us, but others <laughs> eventually as yes, well. that's very true. And it's bite-sized information that we research the heck out of. We have medical information out there that we're really doing a lot of research on. We are. We have growing gardening with herbs. We got stuff for about pets, your yes. home, your family, ethnobotany. Ethnobotany. Mm-hmm. We also put it in terms of the traditional ways we've talked about historic, herbs, like yeah. historic, mm-hmm. whether they're warm and cooling, that right. sort of thing. Mythical and very practical stuff. The Practical Herbalist Press is dedicated to providing the best herbal related books on the market. Look for our titles on Amazon, search for the Practical Herbalist Press, or visit our website at practicalherbalistpress.com. 
So one of my concerns with Kratom is that it's going to end up becoming a regulated herb like Mahong, which is ephedra. And ephedra is one of those ones that's it was or could be a very powerful tool for helping herbalists help deal help people with asthma and other bronchial problems. And we don't have most of us don't have access to that because of the way the laws are structured. I understand and I'm not sure if it's actually accurate that like you as a, a practitioner of Chinese medicine would be you have access to it. But no, I don't. Oh, OK. No, I don't. That's, that's unfortunate. There, there are a number of Chinese herbs uh, and, and substances that are used in Chinese medicine that are incredibly important, but have been just categorically uh, not available. And I, I try to get them smuggled in or, or, or in some way, whatever, so I can use them in my clinic. Sure. But, uh, uh, kratom, kratom is uh, is Ill- illegal in a few states in the country, in the country like Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Vermont, Rhode Island, Wisconsin, Sarasota County, Florida, San Diego. Cal- it's, it's legal in, is, is in California, but interesting, a, a city can make it illegal. So San Diego, uh, kratom is illegal, and uh, Jerseyville, Illinois, and Denver, Colorado. So. So there, so so uh, it is. It is, and, and, and it's legal in most countries in the world. But there are a few countries that ban it. So when you saw this happen with Ma Hung years ago, is it the same kind of pattern that we're seeing happening with kratom? No, it's a little different because uh, Ma Huang was an obvious situation because people were really dying from the Ma Huang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, legitimately. Taking like six hundred percent more than they should have, like that baseball player, for example. They were dying for the long because people were using it for weight loss and also as a, as a substitute for speed. They were concentrating, mm. concentrating um, very highly for that purpose. So there were some reported deaths strictly from the use of Wong. This has not occurred with freedom. And, uh, so, so, and and. and Counterbalancing with that, you have thousands of people who are now depending on it uh, as as a uh, substitute for opioids and getting off of opioids, withdrawing from alcohol and different things like that. So there, there's a huge population of people who are championing championing uh, keeping it legal. They were able to hold it hold the the uh, drug enforcement organization uh, at, at bay for a year from 2000, 2016 to the present. And there are a number of senators that they were able to get on their side as well. So, and, and uh, so it still is not illegal in this country. And the, the FDA keeps, keeps throwing out all this bad news about it, but, but it hasn't, it hasn't you know, translated into any legislation. Uh, every once in a while, they, they, they'll do a, a token bust of, of some, you know, being imported, but, uh, nothing, nothing significant. Why do you speculate that there's so much def, um, press against this herb and um, so much money being thrown at trying to criminalize it? Well, you know, you're talking about uh, the, the number one cash cow, the pharmace- cash cow, of the pharmaceutical industry, which is uh, uh, op- opioids, mm-hmm. <laughs> paint. Drug, 
and any anything that's going to take take an edge off of that that uh, market is a threat. Yeah, we have a bunch of troops in Afghanistan making sure that they're heavily defended opium fields. Um, so that's that's quite a bit of cash right there. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, uh, uh, that's that's a, a major issue. And um, I don't know how, how one gets around that. You know, that the pharmaceutical companies uh, can't ignore the fact that that kratom is working. For, you know, the FDA says there's no proof that it does anything that's, that's of any value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, well, I find the FDA's oh, right now. I mean, they're saying things like 36 deaths associated with kratom, and they're not mentioning the 115 deaths a day associated with opioid addiction, and in most cases directly connected clearly to opio- opioid consumption. I mean, that's... Uh, you know, 30, 36 deaths of, uh, uh, from any from comfrey or, or from anything like that. If any drug company put out a drug, and that's, and that's what they got, they, they, would, they would say, hallelujah, we got a, we got a winner. Because, yeah, uh, only 36. Only 36. Yeah. But, you know... It, it, the, the comfrey issue was another another big big issue. I mean, I, I many 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 of us herbalists still uh, balk at the idea that comfrey is is dangerous, mm-hmm. uh, even though we we know about pyrolizity and alkaloids and and the damaging effect that it has on the liver uh, from certain plants from the heliotrope family uh, that, that animals would eat and that would develop uh, phenol occlusive disease. Uh, in other words, the liver just shuts down. Right, and and uh, so uh, on the other hand, herbs herbs like comfrey and, and have have many many other you know, hundreds of other things besides one particular toxic principle, and, and you can find a toxic principle in practically any any substance, and. Uh, I would I would agree that pyrolizidine alkaloids are definitely a, an issue for concern, but there's something about comfrey where uh, it, it, it doesn't hold up that that, that, it, that the 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 uh, fear and trepidation associated with its use doesn't hold up, and, and worldwide people were millions of people were taking comfrey on a daily basis, and I think they came up with five different cases around the world. Where they could find venal uh, occlusive disease. Right. Well, the dose but, makes the poison. But but uh, you know, and and of course, the real issue is that you especially don't want pregnant women to take it because the developing baby would would have a, a problem with its liver developing properly. Well, hell, you know, uh, before I I ever knew anything about that, and I was working living living in the commune, and we were using raspberry leaf. I would routinely, and we would routinely uh, give pregnant women comfrey and raspberry leaf together to to foster uh, uh, a health, healthy healthy children because it was so nutritive, right? And there, and there never there never was a single case. And then there was a guy who wrote a book called the Comfrey Green Drink. And we were all dr- drinking Comfrey <laughs> Green Drink every day. Mm-hmm. So so uh, 
huge amount of comfrey was being ingested, and and uh, we, didn't, we didn't see anybody dropping dead from it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah, I have a comfrey the, cookbook from 1964. Exactly. So, so I mean, you know, while, while it's something that I think herbalists need to be aware of, I, I, I don't give it a lot, a lot of credence. Uh, because of, of my my own experience and historic using it, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that the threat that kratom presents to the pharmaceutical industry is really the key to why it's being vilified right now. And I think that the idea that it could alter your perception of reality, which is not necessarily accurate idea about Kratom, but it's the idea that's been put out there. It's a little bit like reefer madness, except for cannabis actually can alter your perceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot like reefer madness, except as you, as, as you point out, cannabis does and Kratom doesn't. Right. And, and, and as a, as a, uh, as a uh, recreational drug, I think it's really not very much. It's not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find myself personally really frustrated and angry because opioids, even if that is the painkiller that might be best for you, they're very expensive. So people who need that painkiller end up in a position where they become trapped. They're mm-hmm. buying and, heroin. They're buying heroin instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it's scary. Because it's cheaper. Yeah. 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 That gets that, that gets all these all these people who, who uh, thought that heroin was some sort of a, a drug for underground derelicts and so forth, yeah. uh, <laughs> rolling around in the street from from uh, heroin addiction, and it's, it's really tragic. Yeah. But uh, but but creative creative is doesn't it doesn't do any of that. So it, it's it's pretty hard, I think, for the FDA to build a case to say conclusively that kratom is is dangerous you know it's, it's like they, they would really like to make that case but they'd have to they, they have to pit it against uh the, 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 the probably millions of people at this point i'm hoping we have the numbers i'm hoping that we really do have the numbers to keep this plant free is i think that's I mean? one of the advantages in living in an internet culture as opposed to when ephedra came out is the mass communication enables people to uh, get together faster and share information better. And, uh, you know, of course the internet has its disadvantages, but one of the nice things that we've seen through some of the other, uh, um, like the Parkland shootings, et cetera, people mobilized quicker because they were able to communicate with each other faster. So perhaps this will be to our advantage as well. Just keep putting facts out there and, um, listen to people when they're talking about their fears and make sure that they know that they're heard and then say, well, I'm happy to tell you that here's some facts that will make you feel better. You know, the, the, those are scary things. You're right. Yeah. You know, never devalue someone's fears as much as your inner self says, man, I've got a great snarky comment for this particular situation. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't help in um, getting more allies. So that's probably, in my experience, that's that seems like it's the way to go. We just need to to keep keep soldiering on and advocate for what's healthy and what's, what's just, and that's not always an easy road to walk down. Yeah. Any, any other perspective from you? Doc, uh, over there in, in Michael Tierra land. <laughs> yes. 
Um, did you ask me a question? Oh, yeah. I just wondered if you had any other things that you wanted to share with our listening audience before we let you let you off the phone hook here about Kratom and um, some of the situations that we may not have touched on yet. Well, you know, uh, Kratom does have a traditional use in Thailand and countries where it grows. Uh, interestingly, uh, Kratom is illegal in Thailand. Yeah. And uh, the reason for that is because uh, it was competing with the opioid uh, drug trade, and, and the country was uh, very much dependent on, on uh, taxes that were levied, levied on opioids during, during the early uh, 20th and late 19th century. So they, they made Kratom illegal uh, because uh, it was uh, it, 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 people were using it instead of opioids, so the, the government wasn't getting any taxes from it. And that persists today, although there's a movement to legalize it again. That's, mm-hmm. that's also good. But uh, some of the traditional uses of Kratom is for, for uh, dysentery and diarrhea. It's, uh, of course, we, we talked about its use for drug withdrawal and painkiller, and, and also uh, the, the white vein Kratom being specifically good for boosting energy, uh, and also as a mood enhancer for d- depression as an antidepressant. Uh, and it's also a blood sugar stabilizer, anti-malarial, and anti-inflammatory. After all, it's got a it's got a nasty bitter bitter taste, and, <laughs> and lots of alkaloids. And alkaloids tend tend to be things that off, fight off different kinds of pathogens. So uh, anyway, uh, I I think that people should uh, should uh, be aware that there's one organization. Uh, there's actually a few few that have put out reliable information, but one uh, specifically that I find uh, very uh, reliable is the American Kratom Association. Mm-hmm. So whenever you, you're reading any any uh, slurs or, or any issues about Kratom being regulated or, or causing a death, or you know, recently I, they, they talked about Kratom, uh, batch of Kratom had salmonella, and, and yeah, you know, uh, that can happen with any herb. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a good thing, but right. uh, the American Creative Association is, is a, a good good uh, uh, website to bookmark whenever you have any questions about what's the current issue with Kratom legally and so forth and, and its uses and so and all these things. I'll go to that site. I use it all the time. Well, we'll be sure to bookmark that on our website um, in the show notes. Yep. And I know you did a uh, you have on YouTube a webinar on Kratom that we'll have link for that on the show notes. What's the name of that webinar, Michael? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Kratom, but, just Google Kratom webinar, uh, Michael Tierra, and you should be able to find it on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, that was that was an amazing webinar. You know, it was intended to be an hour and a half long. Uh-huh. It went on to two and a half hours because of the. I, I, I asked people to, to share their experiences at the end, and I didn't realize that we had over 400 people in that webinar. It was and pretty I didn't, amazing. And <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that, 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 uh, that, that so many people have been using it and were eager to share their experiences. And I was hoping to hear some negative experiences during that whole time. Mm-hmm. And not a word. <laughs> so you were disappointed. I am so sorry. <laughs> There wasn't one. There wasn't one negative thing 
that went down about it. And, uh, and and you can listen to that webinar and hear all the different ways that people were using it and how it's, how it's changed, turned people's lives around. You know, intractable, intractable pain is no fun. Right. No. Well, I'll tell you a negative thing about it. It does not taste good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried it. And, you, you know, you're talking about putting a spoonful, a half a teaspoon in your mouth and then washing it down. <laughs> that is no, I can't. No, I'm not. I'm not going there, buddy. If I ever got to use it again, and I hope I don't have uh, pain issues that I I need to use it, then that I will go ahead and do the tea and stick as much sugar or anything. Good God, anything in there. I'm not as brave as you are. <laughs> you can put it in capsules. I haven't found that the, the tinctures of creatine work very well, actually. But oh, the tinctures, but, yeah, I know traditionally it's used as a tea. Tea or a powder, mm-hmm. or chewed yep. just straight up. Chewed straight up, yeah. Well, I don't have a, I don't have a kratom tea, tea tree sitting outside my house, so well, no. That improves it is, is to take it with lemon juice, and lemon juice actually potentizes it. Oh, that's a good thing. That's Would that also work for vinegar? Yeah, apple cider vinegar, but but I think lemon juice is more pleasant. Yeah, okay. a lot more pleasant, probably. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay, well, so don't be afraid of, of using kratom, and I recommend everybody buy a pound of it right now from from some reputable source and stash it in the freezer. It'll it'll keep a long time that way. Buy a pound of the, the powder and, uh, and and keep it for that day that you you or somebody <laughs> you know that might really need it. Oh. Yeah, I have about seven or eight pounds stashed right now. Uh oh, wow. You got a big freezer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my freezer is uh, over- overloaded. I'm going to have to get another one just to keep the kratom. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on our show, Michael. And uh, please, please share with the rest of us uh, how people get a hold of you. Sure. Um, the best way is to go to my website, which is uh, 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 the website that describes the East West Herb Course. And I also have a, a blog, a two-part blog on Kratom there that you can read more extensive information on it. And um, Leslie, Leslie Tierra and myself both, both uh, uh, relate to that website. And, and um, you, you can then uh, write to the address that's on the website or call uh, area code 831-336-5000. Eight three one three three six five zero one zero, and you get the administrator of the East West Herb Course. Oh, that's and nice. So that's that, that's the best way to, to get in touch with me. And um, but uh, just remember plantedherbs dot com. That's the, that's the address. Website. Planted Planet Herbs. Okay. Well, thank you also for your work in in the past, uh, not only with your books but the clinic and all of the work that you've done to help herbalists around the world. And helping found American Herbalist Guild. Indeed. Thank you very much for that. Sure. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Well, thank you. And have have a good evening. Thank you. You too. And you know now what time it is, guys? It's time to put an herb on it. Not howdy doody time. What? Not how to do it. No, time. you're not supposed to bring anything else up to it. It's oh. put an herb on it. Put an herb done. on it. Put an herb on it. And we're done. 
Okay, okay next time. So, everyone, till next time. Put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication. Or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem, any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.